Staying on track when you have three chapters as your text, I know the congregation is saying, amen, preacher, stay on track. That's a lot of ground to cover. But we'll take it from a 30,000-foot view and uh, try to look at the two chapters, first two chapters quickly, chapter 22 and 23, then look into chapter 24 with that. But as we begin the day, I just want to remind you again that we will not meet tomorrow night, August 1st, but our first meeting is August 8th, and Johnny Fain will be preaching. Uh, I loved and appreciated Johnny Fain when he was here at First Baptist in Dothan. But since he's retired and he has founded Assignment International Ministries and spends really half the year in Vermont in the Northeast, uh, my love and respect for him has only multiplied. He and his wife, Debbie, drew a tremendous job and work and, and rural churches and pastors in Vermont area. He preaches for uh, pastors and really doesn't ask for anything. He, he leads in training. Uh, but the thing that captures my heart most is he texts to me every Saturday. I mean like clockwork, uh, sometimes as early as 6 a.m., and he'll say something like this, I have just left my secret place and taken your name before the throne. Know that Jesus loves you. Serve him with all your heart. I love you. Jay Fain, every week. And he, he texts Pastor Ray every Sunday morning as well. And I just, th that wording, do you think that will light a fire under you if you have someone that has just left their secret place and taken your name before the throne? Amen? So as we begin this morning, before I even speak a word from the manuscript, I want us to lead our hearts into that secret place. When we gather like this corporately, but as individually, and I pray that you have come anticipating things, but as convoluted as our world is, and as cloudy as that makes our minds, that it behooves us to go to Christ. And we have many times already. But would you allow me to lead us in that as a time, first of all, of confession? And I'll connect the dots in a minute. There's a method to my madness. But let's pray for a moment, if you'll allow me to lead us in that prayer. So now, church, it's only in the name of Jesus Christ that we can approach the throne. And I ask and challenge you and encourage you now to look through your heart and mind at this very moment as we're gathered here corporately, but individually I've asked, is there anything in your life that would prohibit you from hearing from the Lord God and worshiping Him continually and allowing His Holy Spirit to not only encourage your heart, but to continue to transform it, is there anything? If so, let's spend just a moment and confess that to the Lord now. And as we gather, there's churches gathering throughout this city and county and state, nation. 
that are led by the Holy Spirit that leads their pastors and they know and preach the Bible as the inerrant perfect Word of God. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Let us pray for the kingdom work, the kingdom worship that is happening right now throughout this city. Let us pray for those churches. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that we can come together because you've called us here. Lord, now I pray that you would mute anything that has its origin within me and amplify everything that has its origin from your heavenly throne. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we are reminded of things we may have been taught in the past but Holy Spirit, would you make things new in our minds and bring forth new truths so that we may apply them for the cause of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, one thing that has made a profound impact on me in preparation for this message is that I've looked at men that God has used mightily, like Johnny Fane, and have drawn great encouragement. And Pastor Ray and Brother Jerry Spencer and Doug Greaves and Billy Wooten and Junior Hill and Steve Gaines and Fred Luter, many men that I know and many have preached here, I've found great encouragement from. But also, we know in our culture we've seen many great men of God not finish well. This observation applies not only to people that may be in the pulpit, but to Christians as well, like us who may sit in the pew and work in secular jobs, we may not finish well. The Bible is filled with illustrations of men who failed God and quite often miserably. Solomon, for instance, and David, his father. Even God's great servant Moses made a serious mistake during his final days on earth. You may recall Rather than speaking to the rock at Meribah, as God had told him, he lost his temper and struck that rock. He not only took credit for himself, but he did not uphold God's holiness. Consequently, God did not allow him to lead the children into Israel and into the promised land. Joshua, however, that we've been studying now as I've had opportunity to share with you the past two years... Joshua stands out on the pages of the Old Testament as one of those rare biblical characters that are real in history who exemplified walking in God's will throughout his entire life. Now, true, he was just like you and me. He was human, and as his fellow Israelites were. And at times, he did make some mistakes. But Joshua's mistakes, Joshua's mistakes were never as serious as those made by the men who succeeded him. The reasons for Joshua's mistakes and persistent, consistent faithfulness to God are vivid in his life story. Nowhere in Scripture, nowhere especially in the account of Joshua, 
Are those reasons more apparent than in chapter 24, verse 15? So if you would, in honor of reading God's Word, let's stand and read together just that one verse as we begin our time. Joshua 24, 15. I'm sure a very recognizable verse and one that you may have quoted many times yourself. Reading from the Word of God. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today, which you will worship the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, some of the greatest saints in the Bible stumbled in their faith like we've just mentioned. Noah, Saul, David, Solomon, Moses. However, during tough times, Joshua, even though he made mistakes, never in his entire life did he intentionally act contrary to the will or to the Word of God. Now, as a matter of context, looking at chapter 21 before we get into 22, 23, and 24, just to draw one truth out of each of those chapters. But in chapter 21, the Bible records the allocation of the Levitical cities. If you look back into it and look over it through the week, they are decided by lot and scattered throughout the land. The Lord had commanded through Moses that 48 cities, including six cities of refuge, be assigned to the Levites. And as mentioned before and in Scripture, scattering the Levites throughout the land would facilitate fulfilling their duties as priests and teachers of the law. Listen to what Joshua 21 said in this promise of encouragement. None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. So as we begin our time, it's upon that condition or that promise that the Lord's promises were fulfilled and they never failed, that I want us to begin to looking at chapter 22 and understanding that we have three requirements, many more I'm sure, but just for our purposes this morning and staying on track, three requirements that are valid for staying on track. The first being refrain from hasty reactions. Refrain from hasty reactions. Now, in chapter 22, after keeping their promise to help the other tribes conquer the promised land, three tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, returned to the land they requested on the east side of the Jordan River. So you got all the nation of Israel, all the Israelites there on the west side. They have, they have conquered these lands throughout going through. They'd crossed the Jordan. They had defeated Jericho. They had defeated the Ai. The, we, we talked about the day that never ended, the day that the sun stood still, all those things that happened. Now you have the nation on the east side, and these two tribes and a half a tribe are going back to the west side. They will now be separated from other tribes that are in Tabernacle that is now in Shiloh. That's important to remember. Joshua tells them in verse 5 of chapter 22, if you have your Bible open, look at that together. So 22.5 supports what we're saying here, this entire theme of this chapter, refrain from hasty reactions. Joshua says, only carefully obey the command and instruction that Moses, the Lord's servants, gave you. 
to love the Lord your God, walk in all His ways, keep His commands, be loyal to Him, and serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. Now, upon their return to the east side of the Jordan, they build an altar. That is, those two tribes and the half-tribe, they build an altar that Scripture describes as imposing. That's in verse 10. So they go to the other side, not in Shiloh, but they go to their western side, and they build this altar, an imposing one. So the tribes on the west side of the Jordan gather at Shiloh to make war against the tribes on the east. So are you following me? They see this, this two tribes and a half erect this altar, and they're saying, that's not right. So they say, we need, in verses 11 through 12, we need to go against them. However, to their credit, before attacking, the Israelites on the west side send a delegation offering to let their fellow Israelites come over to the Lord's land where the altar and the Lord's tabernacle are located. That's in verse 19. So Joshua and the Israelites on the west side of the Jordan refrain from a hasty reaction. Now, they were doing what Scripture said. If you want to write this down in your margin, just write this down. Take a note somewhere. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 13. So just put down DT period 13, 13. Deuteronomy 13, 13, and here's what the Word of God says. You are to inquire, investigate, and interrogate thoroughly. And that's easy for a preacher to remember. That's alliterated for me. I don't even have to work on that one. That's three eyes. Inquire, investigate, and interrogate. Listen, church. A lot, are you listening? A lot of hurt feelings and confusion could be avoided if only we would obey that command to inquire, investigate, and interrogate. It is the only way to clear up misunderstanding. So that is what the people on the west side have sent this, this delegation, if you will, to the east side to find out they are inquiring, they're investigating, and they're interrogating. Not much like someone in the police department with that bright light would, Brent, but they, they are going beyond just one or two questions. There is a line of questioning so they can have a full understanding. Are you tracking with me? So just don't say, well, how you doing? I mean, is anybody guilty in that beside me? How you doing? Let's just I say, let's just say, hey, I care less how you doing. I'm, go, I'm going down this way. Just, that's what we do here, how you doing? But say, how are you doing today? And call them by their first name. Ryan, how are you doing today? How's Stephen? Has he made any more great artwork? Just go and have a line of questioning that goes a little deeper than just superficial. So that's what they're doing because they want to find out the truth. So a lot of hurt feelings would be avoided if we are to inquire, investigate, and interrogate. Deuteronomy 13, 13. So this inquiry averted a terrible disaster. The tribes on the east side, look in verse 21 of chapter 22. The tribes on the east side, when they see this and they are, in, in, they are involved in this questioning, look at their response. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered the leaders of the Israelite clan. So they, they see them coming. And there's this, you know, well, they're coming to visit already. We haven't been gone that long. And they, they have these questions, and their question and their challenge, look at their response. Yahweh is the God of gods. Yahweh is the God of gods. 
They are making sure that they know that we are not in to try to usurp God as the God of gods. We are trying to remind ourselves, and we'll talk about then, Jan Fulman, who is the God of gods. They're going to say, he knows, and may Israel also know. Do not spare us today if it was in rebellion or treachery against the Lord that we built for ourselves an altar to turn away from him. May the Lord himself hold us accountable if we intended to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings on it to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. Then they go on to say, we actually did this from a specific concern that in the future your descendants might say to our descendants, what relationship do you have with the Lord, the God of Israel? So what is going on here? They were explaining the altar was not built for burnt offerings or sacrifice. It was built, listen church, to be a witness. Much like 1231 Fortner. Yes, it houses us corporately, but this should be a witness all the time of God's goodness. They built that to be a witness for future generations and that the children of the Israelites on the west of Jordan will not say to the children of the east, you have no share in the Lord. So when the western tribes learn of this, that it was not a second altar to offer sacrifices or pagan worship, unity was restored. Isn't that the goal of any questioning? The goal is not just to find out answers. The goal is not appeasement. The goal is unity under the blood of Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. The goal was unity under Yahweh God for these. To, to stay on track, to stay on track spiritually, church, understanding we need to refrain from hasty reactions. And in that, memorize and even personalized Deuteronomy 13, 13, inquire, investigate, and ask deeper questions, parenthetically interrogate. So secondly, this morning, not only should we refrain from hasty reactions to stay on track, we should also remember the Lord's blessing. That's chapter 23, verses 1 through 16. Remember the Lord's blessing. Now, chapters 23 and 24 record Joshua's last two addresses to his people. Knowing his days are numbered. That's not a bad takeaway for just that. Knowing his days are numbered. Is anyone in here, can you agree with Joshua, knowing your days are numbered? By a show of hearts, do you know your days are numbered? Then what do we do? We purposely, intentionally with great humility in our human weakness, depend on God's strength to live out every day to its fullest. Do not waste. Joshua was remembering the Lord's blessings to stay on track. That's how we recalibrate ourselves, not only refraining from hasty reactions, but remembering the Lord's blessings. So Joshua assembles all the leaders of the tribes. He reminds them of how God has given them the land by fighting for them, just as he promised. Look at verses 1 through 5 in chapter 23. A long time after the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them, Joshua was old, getting on in years. A long time. Have you ever been there in your mind and heart? Oh, man, it's been so long. How easy is it to clock out after it's been a long time? It's been a long time since they spoke a good word to me. I just clock out of that relationship. It's been a long time since that happened well. 
I'll just move on. No. To stay on track. Remember the Lord's blessings. So Joshua summoned all of Israel, starting in verse 2 of chapter 23, including its elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and said to them, I am old, getting on in years, and you have seen for yourselves everything the Lord your God did to all these nations on your account, because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. Verse 4. See, I have allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribes, including all the nations I've destroyed from the Jordan westward to the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord your God will, take, will force them back on your account and drive them out before you so you can take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Very six, and here it is, the key verse in chapter 23. Be very strong and continue obeying all that is written. Now, does that remind you of Joshua in the first few chapters when we went through that together? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, he said many times. And here he's saying, be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Why? So that you do not turn from it to the right or left. In other words, so that you may stay on track. You may not bump into a guardrail. You may not run off into the ditch. You may stay off the shoulder. Stay on track. How? By being strong and continuing to obey. He tells the Israelites not to mix later in this chapter, verses 7 through 11, with the pagan nations or even to mention the names of their gods. That lets us know, choir, that there's, there's power in words. When you guys sing and, and it's just, it's, it's worshipful, there's, there are power in the words spoken. Amen? A spoken word. Someone calls you by name, Terry, and y'all, it gets your attention. Will, someone calls you by name and it gets your attention. There's power in words. Church, do not underestimate the power of words. Be very careful and very purposeful in the words that we speak. He said, don't even speak the name of their gods. He reminds them not to fear. Why? Because the Lord will fight for them as he has promised. Joshua next gives a solemn warning in verses 12 through 13 for them not to turn to pagan gods or intermarry with non-believers. Now, that could be a whole other message as far as like the importance and sacred moments of holy matrimony. But for our purpose this morning, Joshua's explained that pagans will be a snare and a trap as well as a whip a sharp stick, a scourge to their side, and a thorn in their eyes. Have you ever had something just get in your eye? I mean, I'd rather somebody just punch me in the shoulder than get debris in my eye. I, I just, it was a couple weeks ago, and I, I can't remember what we were doing. It was out in the yard and doing something hot and sweaty. I'd had some ant bites. You know, those, okay, I'll get over that. But the moment a little speck got in my eye, I was, man, I was like a scared puppy. I was running to the faucet. I didn't know what it was. I was, you know, rinsing my eye and getting just old and open just to flush it out because it was just irritating me to death. I mean, it was, I couldn't stand it. I had to get some relief. Have you ever been there? He's saying that is what it's like. If you associate with pagan gods, if you intermarry, it's not just going to cause you a little pain. You're, you, you won't stand it. It'll be like a thorn in your eye. Not a little dust speck like it was in mine, but I'm talking about a thorn in your eye. It, you just, it will not, it will be bad and not good. 
So Joshua gives this solemn warning. And again, he reminds his people in verse 14 that he'll soon go the way of the earth. He tells them something about God's promises, and here's what he says. I am now going the way of the whole earth, and you know with all your heart and with all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Do you recall us reading something about that in chapter 21? His promises will not fail. Listen, Joshua knows the Israelites must remember the Lord's blessing if they are to continually being faithful and staying on track. One great problem, church, one great problem that you and I share is that we have a short memory. How quick are we to forget the Lord's blessings? I mean, isn't that our default setting? To just gravitate toward the negative. Oh, man, you won't believe I can hardly move today and just, you know, just, it all, it's just the bad news. It's like the old hee-haw thing. It's the, the song that says, you know, woe is me and oh, it's straw and it's just, oh, it's just mule-lipped all the time. We have such a short memory. The devil, listen, the devil cannot lead us into sin unless he for, makes us forget the Lord's blessing. All right, let me read that to you again. The devil cannot lead us into sin unless he makes us forget the Lord's blessings in our lives. The major contributing factor to all sin is forgetting God's blessings. Psalm 103.2, write it down, Psalm 103.2, PS 103.2. Psalm 103, you guys aren't writing anything back here. I'm just going to tell on them right now. Psalm 103.2, okay? Just write down. There you go. Get your gold star. Psalm 103.2. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. Psalm 103.2. My soul bless the Lord. How are you going to bless the Lord, Chuck? By not forgetting all his benefits. We can't remember them all, but we must not forget them all either. When problems come, we tend to focus just on our problems and forget the Lord's blessings. So to stay on track, we need to work against that. So Joshua ends his address with another solemn warning in verse 16. He reminds the people, if they break their covenant with the Lord by worshiping and serving other gods, the Lord's anger will be kindled and burn against them, and they will vanish. They will disappear from the good land that God has given them. Future generations, by the way, would find out God always means what he says. God always means what he says. The Lord not only keeps his promises, listen, about blessings, but he also keeps his promises about discipline and punishment. The evil one is going to try to convince you and me that we're the exception. No, that really didn't apply to you. You didn't really mean it. That, there are circumstances that cause you to do that. that. I just know you didn't really mean that. He didn't, you're not that bad a person. He will try to convince you and I that we are the exception. But there are no exceptions. We cannot sin without consequence. 
I know that doesn't get many amens, but it should get plenty of me's within your heart. You and I cannot, are you listening? We cannot sin without consequences. Past, present, future. It just is impossible. Our greatest protection, church, our greatest protection against falling into sin and suffering the consequences is remembering God's blessing. Why in the world would we not have that protection? Remember God's blessings. Count them one by one. Name them one by one. Staying on track spiritually, we must refrain from hasty reactions. We must remember the Lord's blessings. And then finally, can you believe it? We're, also, we're already in the third chapter. We'll spend just a little bit of time here. Chapter 24, verses 1 through 33. Recommit regularly. Refrain from hasty reactions. Remember the Lord's blessings. And recommit regularly. For his final address, Joshua gathers the leaders of Israel to Shechem. Now, this is an important place for this farewell speech. It was God-ordained. More than 500 years earlier, God had appeared to Abraham at Shechem and promised him that his descendants would receive that land. Genesis 12, 6-7. Let me read that for you. Genesis 12, 6-7. Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. To make it clear the Lord was speaking through him, Joshua said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says in verse 2 of chapter 24. Through Joshua, the Lord then reviews his past blessings through Abraham, the deliverance of Egypt, the miracles at the Red Sea, the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River, victory at Jericho, his victories over their enemies, and the fruits of the land. And that's all in verses 4 through 12. Then the Lord sums it up by saying he has given them a land which they not labored any in, cities they had not built, the Lord also reminds them they eat of vineyards and olive groves that they, they, they didn't plant. Because of this, look what Joshua says in, in verse 14 of chapter 24. 24, 14. Therefore, Joshua says, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. Listen, Joshua is now leading his people to recommit themselves to the Lord. Do you think this is one and done? Oh, I recommitted myself. I rededicated myself back in 1985. It's all good. I'm greased to glory. It's just, you know, we've done it. And the Lord knows my heart, baptized, recommitted, rededicated my life. Now, what you've done since then? Oh, it's, man, I work hard every day. Raising my kids, getting my family done. Have you, church, listen, when's the last time? When's the last time in staying on track that you recommitted yourself to the Lord? I'm, I'm talking about purposely. In your secret place, before His majestic throne, have you bowed in worship 
and recommitted yourself and said, God, change me. Change does not just come at regeneration. Change is just not realized when we get to glory. Change is a sanctifying, processional, should-be-everyday thing in our lives. Why? Because I am a sinner. I need to be changed. I need to see things. God, pull the veil from my eyes. Let me see things that will cause me to grow closer to you. Lord, let me be in that secret place, and you reveal things that I try to keep secret. Boy, that's good. I didn't write, that's not in my notes, so we'll just say that one's from the Lord. I'll say it again. Lord, take me to my secret place so you can f- show me things that I try to keep secret. Reveal things in my heart. What's in darkness bring to the light. So in these things, Joshua is leading his people to recommit themselves to the Lord. Therefore, he tells them if they refuse to serve the Lord, then they must choose a day who they will serve. And that's our text from what we read today. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. The people must personally decide if they will recommit themselves to serving the Lord who has never broken a promise, who has proved his faithfulness over and over, and who has given them the promised land with all its immense blessings. They can choose to serve him or the pagan gods. Now, church, you know as well as I do what that applies to our lives. We can have things that we serve today that are really idols. We can serve a vocation. We can serve monetary gain. We can serve family. Now, I'm all about focus on the family. But I'm wondering if we focus too much on the family and focus less on God. Luke 14, 26 says, If you hate not your mother and your father, your brother and your sister, your husband and your wife, parenthetically, your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Is, is it in the, our culture today that we put so much emphasis on family that we lose it on faith? So there are things that the enemy in his cunning, cunning trickery can get us to replace God with, and we think we're just doing good, but we're not doing great. So on a daily basis, we must decide for ourselves whom we will serve, to whom or what we will commit our lives. We cannot live, listen, we cannot live today on the commitments of the past. We cannot live today on the commitments of the past. As we serve Him, we should practice Psalm 102. Psalm 100, Mrs. Mullins, my third grade teacher at Selma Street Elementary School. She wasn't in the main building. She was in one of those pods outside of it, one of those middle buildings. We thought we were special. That's the greatest time of my life, third grade, Selma Street, because we didn't have to go into the real school. We were just in a trailer outside, and we thought it was the grandest thing ever. Public school, she had us memorize Psalm 100. Gosh, those days, should they return? Verse 2 says this, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Church, can I challenge you this morning? If you're watching online, if you're in here, when you're asked to do something, whether it be in Bible study, connection group, 
Sunday school, rad, whatever. Nursery, where are you, Sarah Joy? Preschool. When we're asked to do something for the kingdom and the church of the living God, we should not say, well, if you can't get anyone else to do it, I'll do it. When you, church, when me, when I have the opportunity to serve the Lord, what should we do? We should do it with gladness, eagerness, anticipation, thankfulness, persistent, recommitting. Do it with gladness. It's important to note the spirituality and humility of Joshua's final words as he records and recounts the tremendous victories that's happened and blessings of the Lord in this promised land, Joshua never mentions himself. As tempting and true as it would be, Joshua never exalts himself. Though he is perhaps the most faithful leader Israel ever had and will ever have, he never refers to a single accomplishment or a contribution of his own. He is a wonderful example of the words that Jesus penned and wrote and inspired in Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So many times a day when we hear somebody's trying to make a point, gosh, we heard it at Southern Baptist Convention. And I won't chase that rabbit too much, Mike. But we hear, you know, say, well, trying to make a point, here it is, they give us uh, something they've done throughout the years to make their point. And is that not fatiguing between anybody side and I saying, well, you just go ahead and ring your own bell, brother, and as you make your point. I mean, I even read a letter from a seminary president, and, and he was writing, our seminary professor writing a president, and he was, he was defending or trying to go against something, and it was, it was four or five paragraphs of what he had done for 30 years. He was making his point by what he had done. In other words, in my humble opinion, he was relying on past commitments. Listen, when somebody says, How, what's, what's the Lord doing in your life? It's great to say, well, I was saved back in 19-whatever or in 2000-whatever. But church, if we cannot say what the Lord has done in my life yesterday, then I dare say we're not walking with him the way we should. Recommit regularly. So he's saying as he gets ready, as a result of his dress, that the re people recommit themselves, serving and obeying the Lord. And then in verse 29, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, dies at 110 years old. So how does that describe Joshua? That's his epitaph. That's how it describes him. That's his epitaph. What about your epitaph? What's going to be written on that granite or that marble where your shell will be buried. So think about this in a, in, a, in a sentence and put your name in the blank. Blank, your name, Chuck, the servant of career, the servant of education, the servant of Fame, the servant of family, the servant of church, the servant of Monica, the servant of whatever. If it's not the servant of God, it is not right. Your name, your epitaph, whatever it is, blank the servant of God. 
So Joshua died, from best I can gather, about 1365 B.C. You know this, the name Joshua actually means Savior or Deliverer, Yoshua. It means Savior or Deliverer. 1,300 years later, God sent the angel Gabriel with a message to a woman we know as Mary. She was a virgin. And Gabriel tells Mary she will conceive and bear a son, and she shall call him Yeshua, or the Greek Jesus. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. So like Joshua... Jesus is a deliverer and conqueror. Amen? However, Jesus did not come to conquer and take possession of a piece of land. He wants to take possession of your life and be your Lord, your master, your king. Like Joshua, church, like Joshua, if your journey... If you journey and live fearlessly, that's how we began this two years ago. When COVID first started in Joshua chapter 1, fearless living. So I went back and looked at my notes. If we are to live fearlessly, we should endeavor to hear one day, Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. And can I add, and he will say, of mine. Not of education, not of fame, not of money, not of whatever, but well done, good and faithful servant of mine. We must believe these two principles here this, as we close up and as we end the day and knowing these three things to be true, refrain from hasty reactions, remember the Lord's blessings, and recommit regularly. Two takeaways that we can take home with us now. We must believe with all of our hearts that God is the only true God. We must believe with all of our hearts that God is the only true God. Once Joshua turned from the gods of Egypt, he never looked back and he never forsook the one true God. Twelve times in chapter 23, Joshua referred to him as the Lord your God. And when reviewed the success of Israel in the land of Canaan, this demonstrates who was first in his life. The Lord of God of Israel was Joshua's Lord God. This is a great example for us as believers today. Listen, it's often easy to begin our Christian life giving glory to God. You're born again. You're saved. As Brother Jerry Spencer said, you could charge hell with a water pistol and find a spigot on the way. You just were excited about being in the family of God. But whatever happens, as life takes its toll on our sinful selves, it's easy to begin, but it's hard to finish well. As we grow older and our accomplishments increase, our natural tendency is to forget the source of our strength, our abilities, and our achievements. How easy to exalt and honor ourselves, even to start serving other gods like materialism, intellectualism. We must believe with all of our hearts that God is the only true God. Second principle to take home and apply. We must love God with all of our hearts. Now that sounds awful elementary, but repetition is the key to learning. So the more we say that over and over and over, however simple it may be, it's not easy. We must love God with all of our hearts. 
It means, quite frankly, this. Total obedience. We often have told our boys growing up, partial obedience is what? Total disobedience. Total obedience. Doing what God says in every respect with our total being. Our minds, our hearts, and our souls. Now, obviously, our emotions are involved, but obedience often means, listen, response to God's will whether we feel like it or not. Joshua was this kind of man. This overall story of these 24 chapters reflects the obedience to the Lord in everything. And that's why he could say, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I came across this lyric. I couldn't chase down the author, Bradley and Aaron. I, I should have gotten with you. It's a song. I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of a rough poem. But I want to read to you the words. It's, it's a little long, but not terribly long. And it talks about what we've been talking about in Joshua. Then it takes 1 Corinthians and applies it to us. You who wandered in the desert, you who crossed a mighty sea, you who fought the nightless battle, living in the land of victory, do you now see what, that it was he who led and guided you? And do you see your victory was given by his hand? From Egypt onto Jericho, from desert to the sea, from slavery to rulership, of all the land you see, all that he has promised has finally come true. All the covenant he spoke has now been given to you. You who wandered in darkness, in the bondage of your sin. You who fought the endless battle, the battle you could never win. Do you now see it was he who always came to save you? And do you see how freely grace has given you by his hand, from slavery to freedom, from prisoner to heir, from scarlet sin to white as snow, washed need the crimson tear. All his promise is made real in you, the blood of Christ shed just for you. In that staying on track, church, refrain from hasty reactions. Always remember the Lord's blessings and continually recommit, recommit regularly. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the perfection of your word. And Lord, I thank you that it does not return void. So, God, I'm asking by the power of your Holy Spirit that what has been spoken would not just be heard, but, Father, would you grant us your grace to sustain us that we might apply it, so much so that we're transformed, and, God, that we stay on track. So, church, now the invitation is, how can we respond to what God has spoken? So in the quietness of this just one moment, at the, at the secret place where you are, again, I would love the opportunity, if you allow me, the, the, the privilege to guide us in a prayer of invitation. 
Father, it is in Jesus' name that we continue to ask that you take these words spoken by your Holy Spirit. And Father, that you would, by your grace, cause application. I'm not sure, church, there's learning without application. There's just gathering of knowledge. But Father, would you, by your grace, allow us to apply? And in that, church, quite honestly, requires change from within to stay on track. So in that private, secret place in your heart that no one knows but you and God, Ask Him now to reveal something that needs to be changed, that needs to be gotten rid of, that needs to be confessed. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would provide your encouragement. And now if there's anyone here that these things sound good and make sense, quite frankly, but there's something missing. There's that first link in the chain that's not there, and that's a relationship with Christ. I guess the question is, are you saved? Even in a crowd this size, it is quite dangerous to make the assumption that everyone within earshot of what I'm saying has a redemptive relationship with Jesus. So in that secret place of your heart, do you know without a doubt, gosh, maybe your pulse is beating quick right now and your hands are kind of sweaty and your, your throat's dry. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Man or woman here today, child, boy or girl, do you know that you are a believer in Jesus, so much so that you, if you were to die today, Lord forbid, but if you were to die today, the very second that you took your last breath here, you would take your first breath in heaven. Do you know that? If not, then get on track. There may be some here looking for a church home, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we recognize that we are imperfect. But, Father, by, only by your grace and your mercy that we can join together and call ourselves a healthy church that always needs to get closer to you. So, Father, I pray that as you're leading people, you may be here looking for a church home. I would invite you to talk to one of us, and we can help you in deciding is this a place for you? I'm prejudiced. I think it is. I love this church. So as we stand to our feet with heads continue to be bowed and eyes closed, respond.
as God's Holy Spirit is calling you as Aaron the choir leads you.